Welcome to the Biology of Business, where we talk about the anatomy and physiology of a business so you can apply your clinical reasoning skills to your business reasoning and create a healthy, sustainable, impactful and profitable clinic. I hope you enjoy listening and subscribe. Hello and welcome to today's podcast with a very special guest, Annette Ferguson. Annette Ferguson is known as the money magician and Annette helps businesses, service-based businesses specifically, help get clarity in their numbers and increase their wealth. And very specifically, you're passionate about helping people take home more money so that they can enjoy it for themselves, their friends, their family, and have a higher quality of life. Annette, you mentioned in your bio that you were a former financial controller for Goldman and Sachs and managed very, very large funds in the past. So you've got a lot of experience in managing wealth. Um, Annette is an accountant and also very specifically focuses on the Profit First system which is all about helping business owners put their profit first, make sure that they're creating a profitable business. So Annette has a, a very prelevant social media presence and there's a podcast and Facebook groups and the details of that will be in the link for this. So if you want to find out more, you can follow Annette and get a lot more tips on profitability. So very well, very warm welcome Annette and thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. And thank you for that lovely, warm introduction as well. Oh, a pleasure. So Annette, I thought we'd really go back to basics to begin mm -hmm. with. Um, what is profit? This is a great question. And one that you might not expect to be controversial, but is a little bit because the number that we see on our annual accounts or in our bookkeeping system as the profit number is basically the income of the business, excluding VAT if it's VAT registered, less the expenses of the business. But the thing is, it's not all the costs that are put in there. It's actually most of them, but not all, because there is some costs of a business that are deemed to go through what is called the balance sheet. They don't go through the profit and loss account, which means that when you're looking at the profit of your business on paper and you're comparing that to your bank balance and you're going, okay, so where is that 20 grand? Like, where is it gone? What, I don't understand what has happened to it. This is the reason that people feel this way because the profit that you see on paper is typically very different to how a business owner thinks of profit in their business and how most business owners think of profit and profitability is What's the bank balance? What's the yeah. cash that's sitting there? And so when we are jumping very ahead, it, you know, when we speak about profit, the profit first system and those kinds of things, we're actually working with cash because it is so much more logical to work your business's finances that way from that mindset than it is for looking at this kind of on paper calculation of profit, which yes, you need to do for the tax man. Yes, you still need to look at, but for most business owners, isn't a hugely relevant number when it comes to the day-to-day -day running of the business. And what I pick up from part of your message is, yes, the sort of administration of the taxman accounting needs doing, of but course. actually that's not the bulk of what accounting about is, should be about. The bulk of accounting should be helping you future plan and ensure that you are taking profit and creating a profitable business, meaning that there's cash spare for you to choose what to do with it. That is absolutely correct, Kate. You've hit the nail on the head. Yes, the the 
transaction recording, the tax recording for tax purposes, it has to happen. It's a legal requirement, but actually that is not in reality what's helpful for the business owner. In my experience, the majority of accountants don't have the attitude that you have and it's going to be very historic mm. and you meet with them once a year to talk about what happened 18 months ago and you're like, yeah, well, that was history. Can we yeah. talk about today? Never mind yeah. eight months forwards. Yeah, completely. And you know what? We actually had a new client come on board recently and she hadn't spoken to her accountant in 15 years. Wow. 15 years. To me, that's insane. How can your accountant possibly be supporting your business in the present if you've not spoken to them for 15 years, if I don't even know what you do. And that is, that's never going to help and support your business. And so why is it, why is it important that small businesses and very specific physiotherapy clinics are profitable? Why do practices need to be profitable? Well, at the end of the day, if your business isn't profitable, you know, the harsh reality is you're not going to have a business for long because you can't live off, you know, good reviews and likes. You need cash in your personal bank account. And that needs to be at a level where you're not resentful of the hours and the work you put into your business. Therefore, if you're not running your business profitably, that can't happen. And even though you're in a business where you enjoy serving, and that's probably one of the reasons that you got into this industry, you still get to a resentful point if you're not taking home the money that you need to and want to for your family. And so in order to ensure that does not happen, in order to ensure the longevity of your business, in order to ensure that you can actually show up and serve your clients and customers, then you need to be profitable. That is just the mechanics of how a business has to work. And I think you've hit the nail on the head where you talk about so many clinicians have gone into business and set up their own practice because of their desire to serve and their de desire to serve in a very idealistic way. And they don't focus on profitability at all. Mm -hmm. And many clinicians and clinicians aren't paying themselves or just remain on a very minimal salary. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we see that we see this in, in serving industries um, in particular, although that's not, it's not solely for serving industries as well, but we see this very often that people, you know, they set up in business and they set up because of the passion that they have to serve or to do what they do. And, and they kind of put themselves as an afterthought in that. It's almost, you know, as long as we're delivering what we need to deliver, as long as we're serving in the way that we want to serve, then it doesn't, we don't really matter. We kind of put ourselves down the pecking order and that that is very very common um but like i say it does ultimately end up with resentment and in all honesty it ultimately ends up with the business closing its doors because it can't financially support the owner and if the business can't financially support the owner the owner needs to find another job because we've all got you know mortgages and rent to pay and you know kids new school shoes to buy which seems like every three weeks i don't know how that happens mm. but you know we've all got we've all got those things that we need to do in our lives and if we can't if we if we just don't physically have the cash to do them we can't keep running our business we can't keep living our life to no. essentially either no exactly and and so that also incidentally can breed resentment at home as well so not just resentment for you for your own business but it could also start breeding resentment you know from the people you live with, your family and friends, because you start getting that, would you not, would you not be making more money if you just went and worked for someone else? Conversations. And they're never nice conversations to have either. 
Yeah. And so clinicians have certainly posed the question to me that they find it difficult to know how to value themselves and have this sense of guilt around charging for their services mm. and being able to put a true uh, value on their worth. Yeah, this is a really, um, the, the kind of charging what you're worth um, side of things is a really interesting one to me because first of all, every human being is actually priceless. So you can't charge your worth, not possible. <laughs> um, but, but similarly, um, your customers and your clients, they actually don't care what your worth is either. What they care is the value you're delivering to them. So if you are enabling a runner to get back out in their trainers on the hills, I can promise you that value is huge to them. If you are enabling, um, you know, an elderly person to walk to the shops on a Saturday so that they can meet their friend for coffee, I can promise you that value is huge to them. If you are enabling a pregnant woman to be able to stand up and sit down without intense back pain, I can promise you that value is huge to them. You know, whatever aspect it is that you're working on whichever niche you operate in the work that you do as a clinician has immense value to people and and actually thinking about your pricing and what you charge in terms of the value you are providing for people is a much better way to look at it because these you know some of these things that you are providing are actually priceless like you're you're stopping people's pain that's that's incredible um you know people that the value to that of somebody to not live with pain every day is huge so understanding that that is what you are doing that you are kind of serving um people at that level and the value is massive in what you're doing but you also need to grind that into reality and work out, okay, you know, from a practical, that, like, that's great from a kind of, you know, mental perspective, wonderful, et cetera. But from a practical perspective, you need to make sure your business covers its costs and pays you money. That, that's where the practice, practical comes in. Because if you are not charging enough for the business to cover its costs and to pay you a wage at least similar to what you would get if you went and worked for another practice, then there's a problem that exists. You know, if you are working full-time in your practice and you could make twice the money going and working full-time in someone else's practice, you've got a problem. If you're working full-time in your practice and you are the lowest paid member of staff or contractor or whatever, you've got a problem. So you need to ensure that you are not the lowest paid because you are the most important employee after all. You're the one that set up the business. You're the one that puts in the blood, sweat and tears, sometimes literally, sometimes daily in the business and therefore you deserve to be remunerated appropriately for that you know that effort that 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 energy all those things that you're putting in so understanding that you know both people purchase based on value not on what you're worth not on the price not on not on any of that but also doing a sense check on your pricing and how you're charging in that okay if i charge in this way and i layer in my cost is this is the delivery of this service profitable to our business if i look at okay we charge picking very rough numbers out the air let's say we charge 100 pounds for an hour you know what are our costs associated with that well we've got the room hire we've got the clinician we've got you know at the moment certainly the ppe but anyway we've got you know those rolls of stuff you put on the beds like the gels all the all those things You've got an apportionment of heat and light. You've got, you know, you've 
you've got a list of things. You've got payment card processing fees. You may have ad spend, how much you spend to get a client in. You've got all these things. Making sure that when you look at that and you look at each service in a silo and you go, okay, well, that's, that's what it costs to deliver this. Okay, we need to add on profit. We need to add on tax. We need to add on pay for the owner on top yeah. of that and actually stacking that up and saying, is, are we making a profit? Like, is this working now? And understanding that that is how you need to start kind of sense checking the pricing along with the value aspect of it. So both really need to go hand in hand, I think, in order to determine what you charge and to make the business profitable at the same time. So what you're describing there is having a very clear pricing strategy mm. that's based on what the business needs are to be able to deliver the service, the owner's needs are, and also what HMRC's needs are. Yeah. And um, that you're making sure instead of being pressurized, and this does happen for the clinic owner, being pressurized by team, drive down prices, drive down prices, make it affordable. That quite often isn't the problem. Mm -mm. The problem is that you should be spending that time on determining the value that you're bringing yes. to clients and communicating the value and enabling your team to get out of this stuckness on affordability and actually mm -hmm. understanding and seeing the value they bring and starting to get creative in how they can communicate that. Yeah. And remember that your team are often in an employee mindset. They are often in the mindset of, well, I just need somebody in my room yeah. because then I keep my job. But actually that's not true because if there's someone in their room is in their room at a loss they don't keep their job and they don't but they don't see that part of it so that can be um that can be difficult and, and create those kind of frictions as well another thing you want to also still remember from your employee point of view is that if your employee is the one that's getting repeat bookings getting referrals getting um you know in any way responsible for kind of repeat sales, they need their mindset around money sorted if they think you're too expensive. Mm. And you need to do work with them, training and teaching them actually why you're not. And actually the value they are delivering to their clients. You know, on, on a, as an example, I, um, and this isn't in the clinician, but this is a hairdresser I was working with and she had one of her um, members of staff kept saying to people, oh, I could do this, but it's quite expensive. Or, you know, we could do this, but it, it's quite, it's quite a lot. And, you know, you'd say to her, well, how much is it? And she's like, what's well, an extra 20 pounds? I don't care. Like, you know, your ideal client probably doesn't care. They're in pain, quite frankly. If you say, shall I, shall I add this to your service? It's an extra five or a tenner. They'll be like, is it going to fix it faster? Yep. Okay. Let's, let's bring it on. You know, so, so understanding where your client is when it comes to their money and their money thoughts and not getting your employees to impose their own on the clients, on the business or on the services that you offer as well. Thank you very much, Annette. Thank mm -hmm. you. So what are the good effects of focusing on profitability? What are the positive sides of it? Um, there, there is just a huge amount of positive. And, and, and I want to also be really clear that when we speak about focusing on profit and we speak about profit first method and those types of things, we are not speaking about doing it to the detriment of. So it's not to the detriment of our clients. It's not to the detriment of service. It's both and in this situation. So yes, we still focus on serving our clients to the highest possible level. We still focus on giving amazing service, but 
part of it is also focusing on profit. So I think that's really important um, as well for business owners to understand. But the positive things about focusing on profit are the, at the most basic level, your business stays open. Your business serves more people. Your business helps more people. And that has to be the kind of baseline positive thing about focusing on profitability. But the side thing is that it also means that you are not running around panicking about money. You are not waking up at 3 a.m. thinking, crap, how the heck are we going to make payroll this month? How on earth are we going to pay our rent? You know, our landlord is we're coming under rent review. Like how, how we, can't, we just cannot afford another penny. You, you pull yourself out of, the, of those situations. And in doing that, you free your own mind up for more creativity, to be thinking about other service offerings you might want to have, or to help serve and support your team at the same time. So, you know, there's huge positives that come out from being stuck in the worry about, are we breaking even? Can I take any money home? And all those situations you just come straight out of it and it frees you up so much. It frees you up to be more creative. If you're doing marketing, like all the things, it just has a massively positive impact on. And you're able to get out of that reactive mode that you describe yeah. and actually get into a responsive forward thinking place. And your really? clients don't want to know. Your clients yeah. don't want to know that you're panicked about money. They want to yeah. know that you are there able to serve them and give them your best. And if they are thinking you're worrying about how you're going to feed your family tonight. Yeah. They would happily stick another tenner on their appointment. Yeah. You don't want yeah. your clients walking out. You don't want to be so cheap that your clients are walking out your practice thinking, well, I don't know how she pays her rent. Yes. Clients walking out thinking, what a miracle worker. My back pain's 60, 70, 80% better already. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I'm sure most of our listeners will agree that often um, people will discount the cheapest. So I know, for example, in many, many areas of my life, whether it is, you know, getting an electrician to come in and fix something in the house, or it's going to see a medical practitioner. If I speak to two or three people and one is an outlier low, I'll be like, mm, I don't that why, you know, that will create skepticism in me. So there isn't you know, you just don't want to be the cheapest on the block for that reason, because people will think, well, why, why are they cheap? Why are they so cheap? What corners are they cutting? Are they insured? Like, am I safe there? Are they sterilizing properly? Are they cleaning properly? Like what, how are they managing to be cheaper? Mm. Yeah. And you don't want those questions. People should be asking much healthier questions or mm. much healthier observations about your practice. Yeah. Now you described as you start to, as the clinician starts to understand the the profitability or the the viability of all of the services by putting mm -hmm. them in silo. What's the pricing of that service and all the expenses associated with it? You can start to see some good stuff. You can also start to see some nightmares, and you have to have quite a lot of courage to face some of those nightmares as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have situations with clients where it uncovers revenue streams that actually they're loss making. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to cancel that revenue stream straight away, although you should be asking that question. But you want to establish why does that revenue stream exist? Does that revenue stream exist because it's a feeder for your other revenue streams? So it might be like, okay, we know that everyone that comes through the, again, I'm going to just pick something out of the air here. 
the sports massage clinician, they always end up having to see so-and-so as well. So if the sports massage is a loss maker, then it may be a loss leader. It might be that actually, like that is the way that you secure the client and they become a long-term client. However, you do also need to be really careful if you do have a service like that, because the more people you get in, if you start growing that, you'll be, you'll be hitting yourself underwater more and more and more, depending on the time lag between them making that first purchase and future purchases. Um, but I would venture a guess that for 99.9% .9 of listeners, they probably don't have a service that does that. I would imagine that is probably few and far between. So also when you're doing this, don't kid yourself that something is that if it's not. You know, if you do have a service that's loss making, you need to kind of put a business hat on it. So either you need to increase the price to a point where it's not anymore or you need to scrap the service, regardless of whether you have people that are currently using it. And you need to say to them, we can no longer serve you with this service. We can recommend somebody locally who does this, or we can move you to a different service, but we are not able to deliver this anymore. And really being true, true to yourself on that and understanding that, that those are decisions that as business owners, we have to make. Absolutely. And I think you can find that it become become a lot more efficient mm -hmm. to also get your pricing right, to make sure that you've got all of your products right, rather than expanding, expanding, mm -hmm. taking on more and more team to run profitable services that aren't profitable, that perhaps running at a loss, and you're just getting further, further stuck on this hamster wheel of the spiraling down and down and down, rather than addressing and having the courage to address the the pain. And that might mean that your business contracts and the services you offer contract. Mm -hmm that that can be much more healthy, much more sustainable, and then in a better um, footing to grow again. Yeah, completely. And actually, you know, if you are getting rid of loss-making services, although your revenue will contract and your service offerings will contract, ironically, your profit increases because those were loss-making in the first place. Absolutely. And by profit, Hugh, by the way, I mean bank account balance. So, Annette, just to conclude, top tips to help clinicians focus their mindset on that it's okay to be profitable. And yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Kate. So, um, I want you, to, I, I mean, I guess I want to kind of instill in people that, you know, if you're not profitable, you don't have a business in the long term. And that really has to be an under, underlying kind of mindset that people are bringing to this because Yes, we need to serve and yes, we need to, you know, provide incredible um, service to our clients, but we need to also be profitable. Like I mentioned, it's that both and, and we need to get our mind in a place where we understand that if we do not run a cash positive business, a profitable in the bank type business, in the long run, we just don't have one. And that is not a situation that I'm sure that any of um, any any of our listeners want to want to put themselves in. Thank you very much, Annette. Thank you very much for your time today. So Annette has given us a tour of what profit is, why it matters, and why it's important that your physiotherapy practice is profitable. We've discussed issues around the guilt of focusing on money and pricing and affordability. 
We've discussed the positive effects of being profitable for your business specifically, but obviously that impacts yourself and your family and reduces stress and strain in many, many areas of your life. And Annette has concluded beautifully there for us with some top tips on helping you keep focused on having a healthy, profitable business. So good luck with um, having a look at your numbers and starting to. Now, if you want more support with looking at your numbers, Annette is running her Wealth Lab, which starts on March the 22nd, which will give you a much deeper dive into your numbers and help you uncover I think you describe uncover yeah. the hidden profits in your business I think that's I do. Very, I do well done so the link for Annette's Wealth Lab will be in this post if you'd like to know more about it then just click on it and register take thank care you. and thank you very much for joining us today Annette thanks again Kate I've had a really lovely time thank you so much for listening if you found this content valuable here are four ways I can help you grow your practice for free Firstly, grab a copy of how to create a super successful practice plan at marklandmethod.com forward slash resources. And secondly, whilst you're there, check out Marketing Alchemy Revealed to demystify the myths of marketing. Thirdly, join my free channels by visiting marklandmethod.com forward slash grow. And finally, please leave us a five-star review so I can gain access to more influential people and speakers and bring their lessons back to you here.